0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Warren Gilman, who's the CEO of Queens Road Capital. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. We can also find detailed company reports uh, commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there, summaries of other interviews that we've done, just to save you a bit of time. And of course, there's a community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other on there. So go join them at cruxinvestor.com. Warren, how are you doing, sir? Good morning. It is good morning here and good evening to you. You're in Hong Kong. How are things there?
1: I am in Hong Kong. It's just getting dark. The sun is setting. Uh, things are about as peaceful as they've been in Hong Kong for the last two years. We, uh, we're reasonably good on the COVID situation and we don't have any protests at the current, current time. So uh, things, are, things are good. The kids are in school, uh, restaurants are open, and it's a, a great time to be here.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, we, yeah forget about this little bit of rioting that you guys had at the beginning of the year.
1: A year ago it was a very different place than it is today.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I guess we've got bigger problems now. So, um, well, look, Warren, thanks for thanks very much for coming on the show. It's a slightly un, unusual um, company for us to be interviewing because you're an investor in the companies we normally talk to. So I'm looking forward Thank to this I- one. Um, but like I said, first of all, so why don't you just um, to that point? Why don't you give us a one minute overview of the business, and then I'll pick it up from there.
1: All right, it's a very recently established business. Uh, we launched in February of this year, so uh, nine months ago. Uh, it was established by me to continue the work that I did running a predecessor company called CEF Holdings. And CEF was a joint venture between a Canadian bank and Mr. Lee Kashing, one of Asia's richest men. Uh, and I ran that business for about 11 years. Uh, This is the public version of that. Uh, Queen's Road Capital is a Cayman's company that is TSX-listed, Hong Kong-based, with almost 100% Australian shareholders. So it's a very international platform for investing in mining companies globally.
0: It certainly is. It certainly is. So we, we better investigate that because I, I mean, I'm intrigued by it because you you deal with converts and I come from the world of converts. So um, but let's start. Off. So you started uh, Jan Fred this year. Um, you decided to go public. Why? Because
1: my investors asked me to. Uh, we were proceeding merrily along, doing things on a private basis. So Queens Road Capital was originally private. I took control of a TSX listed shell two summers ago. Uh, When I did, uh, I took the original placement at 5 cents. The stock rocketed up to 70 cents. And a lot of my backers said, well, I'll put money into that. And then we had to establish what that was. And I said, well, why don't we just continue doing what we're doing on a private basis in a public format and we'll raise money in that company, and uh, they all just agreed immediately. So, in some respects, it took on a life of its own. Uh, I had this shell, and uh, it has morphed into a significant company. Uh, friends and family, mainly in Australia, as I mentioned, uh, contributed 84 million Canadian dollars. Uh, we raised that all ourselves; didn't pay a penny, and. Brokerage, commissions, or finder's fee to anyone. So there's no leakage. uh, And we're in the process of investing that capital as we speak.
0: You are. So uh, we better get a little bit of history to put this in context because I I think the past uh, informs um, where you are now. So um, CEF, what what was its purpose? I know you had some pretty big shareholders there, but. What were you in?
1: Yeah, the, I mean, the purpose there was really to invest Mr. Lee's money in the mining sector. That was the purpose. And Mr. Lee had some investment philosophies uh, that were, in hindsight, very useful, at the time, very constraining. Uh, rule number one when you invest Mr. Lee's money is don't lose Mr. Lee's money. That's a good rule. <laughs> uh, and, and in the mining business, That's really difficult to do, especially in the period from 2010 to 2018 when we were doing it. Those were very tough years. And yet we made money on every single one of those investments. Rule number two was you didn't get Mr. Lee's capital for free, you had to pay rent on that capital every year. So he expected not only for you to not lose money, he expected to receive. Some sort of payment, most likely in the form of a dividend at the end of each year. And Warren, don't tell me all your problems and don't tell me that it was a bad year and don't prob- tell me there was a collapse at the mine. Warren, where's my dividend? So we had to come up with an investment framework and structure that did not lose his money, that provided him a dividend every year but provided the juice, provided the upside, provided the equity exposure to make significant gains. And we did that in a number of ways. And let me tell you those ways. This is the secret sauce, if you will, that we adapted at Queen's Road Capital. Uh, First of all, structure. Structure goes a long way to ensuring you're not going to lose money and you're going to get a dividend. And so, as you mentioned, One of our favourite forms of investing is convertible debentures. So the debentures limit your downside, give you a dividend stream every year, but give you unlimited exposure to the equity upside. So we tend to focus on converts. We're not totally focused on converts. We like to invest in other forms that give us cash flow. So we can do streams and royalties, for example, we can do structured bank uh, lending, Uh, as long as that comes with a package of warrants and stock that give us equity upside, etc. But for the most part, we really like to focus on converts. So structure is number one. Number two is we don't take a lot of geopolitical risk. We're really risk averse with respect to uh, the countries we invest in. Uh, And of course, again, that's all about don't lose Mr. Lee's money Ie, don't tell me you invested in some funny country and we've lost our money. We don't invest in those funny countries. And then finally, the best part of it all is invest in great deposits. Find great ore bodies and invest in those. Uh, maybe one will only come along every one year or two year or three years, but when it does come along, take a big position. So we take relatively concentrated bets in really good ore bodies. And as I say, make sure they're in relatively safe jurisdictions and then get a good structure. And that's really how we do it.
0: Okay. That's really interesting. I I like that. Don't lose my money and don't make your problems my problems. Beautiful, can't argue with that. So that said, you seem very, very keen on uh, uranium, which I think we should e- explore in a second So in terms of your, your thoughts on that thesis. But let, let's let's come back to the beginnings of uh, Queensland Capital. So you, again, you've got some big names in there. It's not Lee Ka- Kashing this time, um, but you've got a couple of big Aussies. So t- talk to, talk about the structure of it and w- what it has been set up to try to do. Right,
1: and. Queen's Road Capital is incredibly simple. TSX-listed, common shares, we all came in at the same time and there's nothing else. There's no debt, there's no uh, participating management structure, there are no fees, there's no performance fees. The only way I make money Is the same way my investors make money, which is the share price goes up. And so, uh, my good friend Jack Cowan put in 25 million, Andrew Forrest put in 25 million, I put in about 5 million, uh, a couple of other uh, billionaires in Australia, Brett Blundy, who's very well known in the retail sector, uh, the top. Five shareholders are Australian billionaires. Uh, And these people who are people who are friends who have entrusted me to apply their capital wisely and hopefully be as successful at QRC as we were at CEF investing Mr. Lee's money. So the structure of QRC, incredibly simple, we're all common shareholders. We're all there for capital appreciation and the dividends and it will always be that way.
0: Okay, so th- that is extremely similar. I don't think we've seen anything like like that. Usually there's uh, big salaries involved, big options involved, directors' fees all sorts of ways that the management team are sucking money out of the company. So this is your money that you've put in and you're, you are aligned with the shareholders. That said, not a lot of liquidity. and If you look at the share price, it kind of came, came off quite quickly and it's kind of flatlined pretty quickly too. Um, so there's no real upside until you cash in on some of these investments that you've made. Is that, is that the way you're looking at it?
1: There, there are 2 points to your, your statement there. One is liquidity. Uh, and you're right, it's very illiquid at the moment because our major shareholders are a bunch of, uh, as I mentioned, uh, uh, well heeled Australian billionaires who certainly aren't looking to sell. They're looking to acquire more shares. Uh, so there's no shares available to buy. Uh, that's a double edged sword, as we know. Uh, people who want to get in have a hard time getting positioned because there is no stock to buy. That will change over time. We have not done a public issue yet. At some point in our future, we will. Right now, we have a market cap of just over $100 million. Uh, At some point, we will have a a market cap of multiples of that. With size, with time, liquidity will come. there'll be two catalysts in the near term, which certainly will aid the liquidity. The first thing is the shell I took over was a Toronto Venture Exchange listed company. So that has a limited pool of attractiveness and you don't get great access to Canadian mainline institutions in venture exchange listed companies. We'll graduate to the main board once we finish doing our current set of financials. So very, very early in the new year, we'll be main board listed. Once we're main board listed, we'll actually be declaring our first dividend. Not many companies declare their first dividend when they're less than one year old. Once we make the progression to TSX main board and become a dividend paying stock, that will open up a whole new world, a whole new universe of potential and in interested investors, particularly institutions. Then liquidity will start to build, and once liquidity builds, it'll just grow on itself. It won't go back. So uh, that's answering your question with respect to liquidity. It will come. Uh, your second point. There is some truth to what you say. The valuation of Queen's Road will change based on, let's call it, 3 things. One being the share price of the underlying stocks that we invest in in convertibles, so there will be a little bit of volatility. Two will be the income we receive from those convertibles and the dividends we pay out. So people will buy the stock for the dividend yield, and we intend on being a pretty significant dividend yielding company. But thirdly, and this is to your point, we will have step changes in valuations as these companies that we invest in change materially materially in value, either through building their mines or, frankly, being taken over and all of the companies we invest in, are, for, because the quality of their ore body is so good, they are all potential takeover targets. And When you have a takeover, obviously, we'll have a step change in that valuation, uh, and we will get multiples of the money we invested back in the form of most likely cash, and then we will reinvest that cash but there will be a step change at the same time in the value of Queen's Road stock from $0.40 to $0.50 to $0.70. So in addition to slowly building value from the yield on the converts, we will build step change equity value as those components mature and get taken over.
0: Okay, so let's stick with. I do want to come back to some of what you just said, but let's just stick with the the first piece, which is moving to a TSX listing early in twenty twenty one, and starting to dish out dividends off the back of the coupons you're clipping on on the converts. I I, I totally get that, but you're going to have to get a big influx of of capital to start moving things at the pace that you're gonna. The TSX listing suggests. So, what is the scale of your ambition?
1: Queens Road will ultimately be a billion dollar plus company. Uh, as I said, in our first year, we've raised 84 million. Uh, we've made three investments to date. Uh, all three of those investments are up uh, in the range of 20 to 30 percent, or in the case of ISO, 120 percent. Uh, so we're all med- already making significant returns on the invested capital. That said, we still have 20 million U.S. dollars in cash and liquid securities, so we can make another investment based on the capital that we currently have at hand. After that, we will raise additional capital. Very easy to pass the hat around to my existing shareholders, who would all put in more money. Uh, at the right time, when we're main board listed and when we're dividend paying, an opportunity to talk to the institutions in North America and raise money from those institutions. At the same time, I'm regularly having conversations with other high net worth individuals around the world who have seen what we've done so far and they've reached out to say, how can we get involved in this story? all your australian friends seem to be doing very well can we join the australian party so that's a third option in terms of bringing additional capital into the company in the coming year
0: okay but again just on this point of ambition and scale so so far you've been you've put in between 10 and 30 million bucks into deals that that's of a certain size and that's reflective of the fact that these are companies are they're, they're junior junior explorers developers, right? Um, and There's only so much liquidity that they have, but what is the profile of the companies that you're going to be looking at going forward? You've established your name now, so people have seen the name and they can see what you're trying to do, and we will come back to that. But again, ambition, what are you going to be investing in? Give me an idea of the company you want to be.
1: We are totally focused on quality of ore body. Commodity agnostic stage of development agnostic, quality of ore body in a safe jurisdiction. So as you say, and we can come back to that point, the first two investments I made were in Uranium. Uh, The third one is London-listed company Adriatic, which is a polymetallic ore body, about 45% Silver, so it's mainly a Silver polymetallic ore body. But as I say, future investments, I really don't care what the commodity is. As long as it's the best ore body in that commodity, I'm happy to invest in it. Uh, Stage of development, everything from companies that are already in production to companies like ISO, for example, our second investment, is a bunch of drill holes. They don't even have a resource yet. They have not published a 43101 resource. So we are pre resourced. So I just need to be comfortable when I see those drill results that there is a mine there. And yes, we'll have to do all the work. We'll have to go through a PEA, a PFS, ultimately a BFS. But frankly, with my experience and my knowledge, I can look at the drill results and say, That's all work that will be done in future. It'll take time, it'll take money, but this is a mine. I don't need to wait for the resource report written by a consultant. So as long as I'm comfortable that there is a mine there, I don't care if we have a resource, I don't care if we have a PEA, I don't care if we have a PFS. If it's an operating mine, it's obvious that it's a mine, but any stage of development.
0: Okay, and but the the scale will be the same in terms of ten to thirty million. That's the sort of quantum you'll be investing into these companies.
1: The scale of investment will be reflective of our scale as Queens Road. As we get bigger, our individual investments will get larger. Currently, we've made investments in converts in the size of next gen fifteen million US, ISO six million US. Adriatic 20 million US. As Queens Road gets bigger, we'll do 30 million and 50 million chunks at any given time. But right now, we'll keep the size in that smaller 10 to 20 million dollar category given the size of our company.
0: Okay, so you're after um the asset is, it seems like the most significant point there. It will become a mine. It's a large enough, good enough asset to become a mine. With the to how do you then qualify all the, the other moving parts, like the size of GNA? I mean, I think one of your companies, you know people would accuse it of having a you know, significant GNA. I'm talking about next gen there. Um, does that come into your, your decision making? Are you thinking, well, actually, in the scheme of things, as, as a percentage, it's insignificant to us because we believe the upside is, what, X?
1: And that's really a a comment on management. Uh, We are a supportive investor. We are a supportive shareholder. Uh, Oftentimes, and so far all three of the converts that we've invested in have come with voting alignment. So under certain circumstances, management actually gets to vote the shares that we would have at any given time. And that is because I'm not only investing in the ore body I'm investing in the management team. I trust the management team, I back them. If I don't trust them, I shouldn't be making the investment. And so, obviously we do our due diligence. We can provide input on things like GNA, but at the end of the day, if we make the investment, we you can take that as read that I'm endorsing the management team and are comfortable with their plan of attack to build the mine.
0: What about um, the timeline, which this thing gets into production? Because again, in Canada, uranium, there are various you know uh, permitting issues, licensing issues, and there's perhaps a slightly longer time frame for you uh, and your investment on uh, You know, if things don't happen as yeah. quickly as one hopes.
1: Yes, and that again is correct. Uh, Queen's Road is similar to CEF. We are a medium to longer-term investor. We're not there for a quick flip. We're there to invest in great ore bodies that will be built into mines. It is simply a question of how long will it take for that process to occur? The bad news is, is that we all know, permitting period for mines and the construction period for mines isn't getting any shorter every every year, it's getting longer. The good news is that that situation provides us with a, a long runway to receive our coupons on our debentures because our debentures are ultimately taken out by the construction financing to build the mine. so we don't get our coupon for one year or two years we probably get it for 3 years or 4 years and two and this comes back to the point about safe jurisdictions it may take a while but it will happen so when we look at next gen or iso we're in Saskatchewan we're in the world's hotbed for the best uranium mines on planet earth there is simply no question that it will get permitted. It's just a question of, does that take a 1-year, 18-months, 2-years? It is a time period during which I am receiving dividends, but eventually the permit will come, the construction uh, decision will be made, and I will be taken out. So, In many respects, I look at that as being beneficial to Queen's Road shareholders in that it provides us an opportunity to make the investment, it provides us for consistent income during that period, and frankly, often can provide us with an opportunity to invest more capital in that project in year 2 or year 3.
0: Okay, and I, I noticed with the converts that you are structuring them that you take some of the coupon as shares as well. Um, but they're also quite short-term uh, converts as they typically are, you know, anything from, you know, 3 to 5-years typically. You've got a 4-year term with on the Adriatic, um, They seem to be structured the same way. So, will you, do you imagine in your head rolling these over or refinancing or restructuring these as you go on to continue getting coupons? So, basically, can the companies expect your continued support at the end of each term or before, just before the end of each term?
1: Right. Uh, We tend to to make the the maturity, the the term of the convert is a function of two things one, uh, avoiding withholding tax. Uh, so, in Canada, in order to, withhold the f- with, uh, to avoid the withholding tax, you have to be five years plus a day. So, next gen and ISO, our converts are five years. Uh, in the UK, we don't have that issue, so we don't have to worry about that. Then we can do more to match the term to be well beyond the date at which we believe the mine will be constructed. So, we generally try to match. The term of the convert, with and giving us some flexibility, uh, a time period that will ensure that we, in all likelihood, won't have to extend the maturity uh, for the investee company. But if we do, we certainly have that flexibility, and we we would have a willingness to do so.
0: Okay. You're bullish on Uranium, obviously, and I think, you, you know, you, you, I think you're known for being bullish on Uranium uh, thesis. Any thoughts as to what's happening in 2021?
1: I am constructive on Uranium price, but once again, let me say uh, I and Queen's Road are commodity agnostic. The main reason we invested in NextGen and the main reason we invested in ISO, quality of the ore body. It's hard not to be a uranium fan when you're going to produce uranium at seven, eight, nine dollars a pound. And it's currently trading in spot at 30. Uh, in future, we may have contract pricing of 70 or 80. But whether the contract pricing is 70 or 80 or 40 or 50, either way, our margin is huge. And we'll be happy with it in either
0: case. And are you concerned um, about the company's ability to do other types of financing? Because you know you, you you don't have like first lean over anything. It's not secured. These unsecured. Um, are you able to influence the way that they go about bringing other monies into the company? Because a lot of in the case of uranium companies, they have no revenues. They're sitting waiting for some kind of price recovery, or you know potentially, I think you've indicated waiting to be taken over. Um, it's just, it just seems to be quite an expensive way of going about it. Or do you think, at the end of the day, it's it doesn't really matter. It's going to work itself out. Rain was coming back. We
1: we we always protect our credit position. So uh, when you look at uh, Adriatic, there is no other debt except our converts. When you look at Next Gen, there is no other debt except our converts and Mr. Lee's converts. We're a co-investor with Mr. Lee. And ISO, we're the only debt position. And in each one of those cases, there are rules about any further debt. In all cases, we're able to be taken out by the project finance facility, but there are restrictions on the company's ability to raise any other debt. So we, from a perspective of Queens Road capital shareholders, very much protect our credit position in each one of those companies
0: okay next round of no debt I didn't realize okay uh, okay interesting interesting so so what's next what what I know you're a uh, commodity agnostic but you know the 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 battery metal sector seems to be heating up somewhat is that attractive to you it depends on what you mean by battery metals uh, well there's a lot of them true uh, nickel copper lithium Graphite.
1: Yeah, all those things.
0: <laughs> all of the above.
1: <laughs> all those things, yes. And, and again, we'll look at anything where we get a great ore body. You know, I, I'm a bit skeptical of, uh, first of all, I don't do fads. So we, you know, we're a medium to longer term investor. So we invest in things not because they are topical for the moment. Or not because there's a flow of funds going into them over the course of the next three months. We just want the best ore body. I, I I I listen with some amusement to the concept of nickel being a battery metal because last time I and I've done a lot of work in the nickel business over my career. I did the IPO of Falconbridge back in the '90s and did every single transaction Falconbridge ever did before it was taken over by Extrata. And Last time I looked, Nickel was a stainless steel metal. Uh, yes, ultimately it will be used more and more in batteries, but is the price going to be set by EVs? No, the price is going to be set by consumption of stainless steel, at least in my lifetime. Uh, Notwithstanding that, I love Nickel-Sulphide ore bodies, and if I could get an investment in a great Nickel-Sulphide ore body, I would be all over it. Uh, I'm certainly less enamoured with things like Graphite, certainly less enamoured with things like Lithium, notwithstanding action in the last few weeks. But again, if I could get exposure to a tremendous Lithium ore body, I wouldn't hesitate because ultimately it will have a great margin irrespective of where the actual Lithium price is. Uh, Where is the next investment going to be? Well, currently I have two term sheets out for our next investment or investments. Both of them are actually Gold companies. And again, they're Gold companies that, not because Gold is currently flavour of the year, but these are great ore bodies that will ultimately will become mines, and so if I can get exposure to them, I'd happily get exposure to those for Queens Road shareholders. Okay, but that just that just gives you a flavor for where we're going in terms of our next investment. It could be any metal.
0: Okay, interesting. Now, I agree with you about nickel. Obviously, today 90% is uh, in the stainless steel industry for sure, but I think it's the wave of what's coming down the line. We're seeing these. Huge investment, so that's why I was interested in that. And if you were to go lithium, by the way, you know w- what would you be looking at? Are you hydroxides, or you know, what, what's sort of taking your fancy in terms of where it feeds into that company feeds into the market? It, it's
1: it's still it's still hard to argue with the economics of the brine deposits. Hard rock can be very difficult. If we found something in hard rock that was a fabulous grade, you know, I'd I'd happily go to a Swadjummin, but uh, my first preference, all other things being equal, is is the brines.
0: Okay, so you know your head's not being turned by people like you know Tesla work you know day, doing the uh, deal with Piedmont on their hard rock, hard rock spodumene projects. You know you know your own mind is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Enough said.
0: Enough said. Okay, so um, what what is what's the kind of instruction from your two main shareholders? I know you've got a bunch of Aussie shareholders, but there's two in particular. Are they just letting you get on with it?
1: Yes, there are uh, uh, two employees at Queens Road Capital. We don't have a very big burn rate. Uh, There's myself and the president of the company, uh, Alex Granger, who uh, worked for me for many years in banking here in Hong Kong. Uh, if I hope he's not listening. He's perhaps the best mind modeler I've ever uh, worked with in my life, and I've worked with a lot of them. Uh, uh, Jack Cowan and, uh, and Mr. Forrest uh, have entrusted us with their funds, and they just let us get on with it. Uh, they're both very helpful in terms of opening doors and uh, helping with due diligence, etc. But very much the company is run by Alex and myself, and uh, and we just get out there and try to do the best we can and make them as much money as we can.
0: And it's an interesting point. Actually, so do you find now with the profile that you've got, the public profile that you've got, it means that people are coming to you chasing money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And,
1: oh, no. and, and, that, and, and that is a situation that uh, continued on uh, from the CEF days. Uh, you know, uh, I've been doing this now for you know, almost 15 years in terms of being on the buy side, as opposed to you and I were on the sell side for many years. Uh, once you get on the buy side and, and people realize that you have access to capital and you are a serious uh, steward of that capital, the phone starts to ring. And when I started up Queens Road, it's not as if the phone stopped ringing. It kept ringing. Uh, I think the Adriatic deal has helped because I think that has raised Queens Road's profile uh, a fair bit in London. Uh, Obviously, I'm quite well known in Australia, quite well known in Hong Kong because I've lived in both places, and very well known in Canada because that's where I grew up and did my first 20 years of banking. Uh, so very well known there. Uh, perhaps the one missing link was, uh, was London. And with Adriatic, I think we've uh, opened that up and we've got quite a few phone calls from London companies in the last couple of months, I think in part because of Adriatic.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, so what do you reckon of Paul Cronin's, um, what, it, what he's done there? Because again, you talk about jurisdictional risk, you know, Serbia 10 years ago, forget it. But seems to be you know flavor of the month at the moment. Certainly, certainly,
1: uh, thirty years ago, forget it. Uh, But it's been a uh, stable, uh, healthy, growing place ever since. Uh, And what Paul has done there has been extraordinary. He has unearthed, you know, talk about first mover advantage. He has gone into a place where no one was before, and very quickly discovered a tremendous ore body, very high-grade, will have tremendous margins. Uh, So hats off to him. A great accomplishment and uh, just the beginning because, uh, as you know, uh, Adriatic recently completed the takeover of Tethian, has wonderful ground there, and I would not at all be surprised if he does it all over again with the Tethian ground.
0: Yeah, I think they've they've done a fantastic job there. We've actually just done a a report on them and say he's, um, He's done well. He's done very, very well. We expect more from him as well this year or next year. Um, Well, look, Warren, nice introduction. Um, Like I say, slightly slightly off the beaten track for us in the sense that you're the guy that puts the money into the companies we talk to, but uh, nice nice to see what you're trying to build up there. Um, Got a sense of what you're trying to be next year as well. So appreciate your time. Stay in touch and let us know how you're getting on, okay?
1: Much appreciated. Thank you. And we look forward to doing precisely that.